fixing mistakes is my aesthetic. <laughs> like, I, like, even with my artwork, like, oh, I didn't mean that to happen, but now it's a design decision. And that's actually like how my style just evolves is I make a mistake. And in, in quilting too, I share this when I do my lectures on some of the quilts that I've made. I share how, you know, I intended to do a certain thing and I didn't like how that came out. And instead of thinking I'm bad at it, I just think, okay, well, I need to fix this. And then it is so much better than I originally planned. And that being flexible and just winging it and, and fixing things as they go is my jam like that's what I enjoy I don't like to design something in advance and then execute it because that's like boring to me because <laughs> then it's already the fun is already done the design part is what's fun welcome to hello atelier I'm your host Betsy Blodgett and with me is producer Jonathan Getz hello I've been thinking a lot about creative and motivational blocks lately it seems counterintuitive but even though I may want to create something Be it a sewing project or a podcast episode, once it becomes expected of me, the hobby is transformed into a chore and it stalls. Hobbies are fun. Chores, not so much. And not many of us were properly equipped to voluntarily add to our to-do lists over the past year. So if something like podcasting had the slightest whiff of stress, it was sadly passed over. Sorry, listeners, it's been a busy year or two. (laughs) And today's guest, Melissa Averinos, is familiar with those subtle shifts in perspective that affect motivation and creativity. Like the Melissa Paint My Cat hashtag on Instagram. Yes. Melissa, among many other talents, paints custom pet portraits, which she really enjoys. But with commissions come expectations. And no matter how much you enjoy something, as soon as you get paid for it, the brain can shift the perspective to... This is a job. (laughs) And creativity and motivation can suffer. So to get around these pitfalls, Melissa set up the Instagram hashtag, MelissaPaintMyCat, for people to suggest their pets to paint, and then she can decide what to paint, if anything. Brilliant. Look, from using art as a survival tactic in high school, to discovering the self-confidence needed to build a career, to becoming an award-winning quilter, Melissa's artistic journeys are completely inspiring. And I'm sorry we've been holding on to her story for so long before sharing it with you. Note that all of the interviews in this season of Hello Atelier were recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic. And consider that when you hear Melissa talk of flying places to interact with people. Yes, and without further ado. I would have loved to learn from my mom, but by the time I was interested in sewing, she wasn't really sewing anymore. And um, when I was in high school, I started to be interested in making some, I wanted, it was the early 90s when I really wanted to make some baby doll dresses um, because I couldn't find all the ones that I wanted. And so I, that's when I started to, like, I wanted a sewing machine and wanted to sew and (laughs) I was terrible. You had to make buttonholes and and I didn't bind them. I just cut slits and (laughs) that was it. Like I didn't even, I could have just sewn the button on, you know, because it wasn't functional, but um, I was fearless and just did, you know, did whatever. In high school, art was just my safe place. I would spend a lot of time in the art department, and I was really depressed. And it was like the only place that I could go that felt like it was okay to just be my weird, sad self. And um, so I spent a lot of time there, and I really didn't think that I would make it out of high school. First of all, I didn't think I would graduate, and I thought, to be honest, I thought I would probably kill myself before graduation because I was really depressed and just had a really hard time. So but I made it through and I graduated. Um, yay. <laughs> and that's because of the art department, because if, if that place hadn't been there to be the 
place that I was going to for two or three classes a day. Like I just couldn't handle the rest of school. <laughs> so eventually I uh, met my husband when I was uh, 25, 26, and his belief in me helped me to believe in myself. I really always thought my art was just going to be for myself, for my own comfort. And um, with his belief in me and my, you know, he thought I was smart and talented and I trusted him. So I like borrowed his belief in me. And then I started to be like, well, maybe I could do something with this, like in the world. Like, could I design for fabric? Could I design greeting cards? And, you know, that was really exciting to me because I never thought that I could do anything like that. Um, I thought just being weird in my room alone was like the only thing I was ever going to do with my art. And so um, from his belief in me, I grew into some more confidence and started to approach companies. And so in 2004, I decided I really wanted to like approach licensing and it took me until like 2007 to, I started to sell some designs uh, through an agency for a flat fee. Victoria's Secret bought some of my designs and put them on some jammies and, um, some other people, Candies, I think, bought some of the designs, um, just like random buyers that, you know, it's not like I was in contact with them, my agency was. But And then I started to approach fabric companies for licensing. And in 2007, I approached Free Spirit Fabrics and they said yes. So that was my first licensing gig. And that's kind of how I got back into sewing in my mid-30s. I hadn't sewn at all since, really, since high school. And then I was like, well, I'm designing fabric. I guess I should be sewing. So I started to sew again, and I'm psyched that I did because I love it. The baby doll dresses Melissa sewed in high school planned to do creative seed that came to fruition years later when she found herself back at her sewing machine. Her interest in color and print takes on a three-dimensional quality when she is designing her own clothing or layering scraps for a quilt. Wear my own clothes like the moment they come off the machine, and sometimes I don't finish them because I want to wear them. <laughs> like you know, they still got a raw edge or whatever, and you know, I have clothes that just still need to trim threads off that I still have been wearing for two years that are still not the threads trimmed. Um, I actually always loved clothes and fashion. Even I remember being in seventh grade and doing like fashion design sketches and like kind of designing clothes that in my fantasy life I would have been a clothing designer. So. I love that I can make up wacky combinations of patterns and <laughs> basically like toddler chic, you know, <laughs> like, you know, shirts with stars and stripes all mixed together, not in an, not in an American flag kind of way, but um, <laughs> you know, in a cute, goofy kind of way. I love that. And that's where I like to um, play with like patterns and stuff. Like I'll buy, you know, current designery prints for garments because I like to wear like wild and colorful clothes and things like that. Um, and the other thing, of course, is I'm learning how to get a fit. Learning to sew better garments had ma has made me a better quilter because I want my clothes to look good. Um, I didn't used to care, you know, like when I was in high school and I sold those really terrible baby doll dresses. Um, but now I care and I'm, I, my patience has grown and I will like take the time sometimes to unpick and redo something which is totally not my mo like <laughs> if you told me that i would have been like who are you like <laughs> it just is so like anti my personality to do that but i'm 
growing and I'm learning and it's really exciting. Like, um, and I get so proud when I do the shirts that I've just been sewing this week as like recovery from my deadline stress. I'm doing like sewing with knits and using my serger and it's the first time I've done neckbands that look good <laughs> and because I'm using the proper fabric with the proper amount of stretch and normally I'm just like bah, it'll work I'll figure it out and then it doesn't work and I'm disappointed but I'm like you know learning how to do some of the right things which I almost never do <laughs> so it's really fun to put together different patterns like fat, uh, prints and I like to hack patterns too like I have this idea that I want to you know do this certain thing and make this a-line instead and or add a hood to that and so like being able to just make up anything is great. And I'm very not advanced. Like I'm very much a beginner garment sewer, but I'm starting to feel more confident. And that's really exciting to me. So the first quilt I made was in 1997. I was uh, 23, I think. I was still very depressed and very anxious. I really wanted to change. I really wanted to grow and not be so afraid of everything and and not be so um, unhappy. And I was just so terrified of everything. I didn't drive. I was too scared to drive. I decided to go away to Kripalu Center, which is in Western Mass. It's a yoga retreat center. And you can do a a volunteer program there where you, you trade work for room and board and yoga. I signed up to do that and I wanted to make myself a quilt to bring with me um, because I was still living with my mom and it was my my first time leaving my boyfriend and I wanted something to comfort me and like literally wrap myself around in. And I had been collecting fabric because, you know, it's pretty and I had a lot of like novelty prints and stuff. Really, I just liked the fabric and I wasn't into any fancy design of a quilt or anything like that. So I just like cut up squares and sewed them back together and sewed some strips together and then cut them into little pairs of squares. And so it was my first quilt and it was improv, which I still love. And so that was my first quilt and which is like loved to death. And I t- it was only tied and not very well. So it's like a big gaping mess. But I think I'm going to remake it. And then I didn't quilt again until like 2008 when I got my first fabric line. And then I was mostly just scrap quilts and just improv, putting color fields together and just play with scraps mostly for the bed and, you know, couch and for dog photo ops (laughs) backgrounds. And then I started to be like, okay, well, what could I do as an art form with this? Like what, what, if I were to make a quilt that was more my art, what would that look like? And that's when I started to do other stuff. It's one thing to sew for yourself quite another to put your work into the world and on display. That puts the artist into a distinctly vulnerable position, open to both the accolades and criticism of the general public. Teaching, too, can expose the artist, as they try to put into words a talent for color and design that can be, by its very nature, instinctual. Nevertheless, Melissa was able to overcome her anxieties and put her art on the public stage and her voice in the classroom. I had never entered anything into a show, nor did I ever think I would until QuiltCon. So the first quilt that I entered ever into anything was face number one, which is a giant, giant quilt. And that won a Judge's Choice Award, which like blew my mind because I'm not a technician. (laughs) And, And I think of quilting awards as going to like technically perfect quilts. And that one was not. That was like mind blowing to me. And then the next year, I think it was the next year, I submitted my brother's jeans. And um, that one, Best in Show, which blew my friggin' mind. It still blows my mind. Like, I 
I can't believe it. <laughs> but yeah, I never thought I would enter a quilt show, but QuiltCon is just such a magical show. Like I'll go to other quilt shows like traditional or even art quilt. And there might be like two things that I'm interested in, but I go to QuiltCon and it's like two things I'm not interested in. It's like every quilt is amazing. It's so exciting to see a whole group of quilts that speak to me. I just love it. I never wanted to teach. I never thought I could teach. So in addition to depression and anxiety, I used to um, have like paralyzing social anxiety and fear. Like speaking to two people about something would be terrifying to me. Taking a bus to see a friend in the next state would terrify me. So any of this stuff that I'm doing is it's like a miracle to me. (laughs) And it's crazy. Like if you told me, you know, even 10 years ago or even five years ago that I would be like speaking into a microphone in front of 100 people that I don't know. That sounds crazy to me, but I I still get a little bit freaked out about it, but I do it and I actually enjoy it, which is really weird. I did not think I would ever want to teach, but I found that I really love it. The travel can be challenging. Lately, I've had some more local gigs that I can drive to instead of spending like two full days in airports, (laughs) you know, buses, um, so that it takes some of the pressure off. And I love connecting with people and I love the class that I teach on the Making Faces is really more of an art class than a sewing class. We don't even use sewing machines in the class. I'm just really teaching how to collage a face with fabric. And my favorite is when I get like a precision piecer who thinks they can't do it or who doesn't know what to do if they're not following instructions. And, you know, my class is very like, here are the basic ideas. Let's use your own sense to, you know, make it come to life. That's my favorite because they get it and they are excited. I mean, I've had people cry with excitement because they did art and they thought that they couldn't, you know. So I get a lot back from from teaching. I'm a painter primarily, and I've always painted faces. Like in high school and early 20s, I mostly focused on self-portraits. And so if I just think of quilting and fabric as just another medium, it was like a natural thing to try. The first one was giant. Um, I call that one giant fabric selfie. And uh, that just happened um, because I was messing around in my studio. I had just put up a design wall for the first time. And I was just kind of like picking up scraps off the floor and started making a face. And and then that just grew into that big fabric selfie. (laughs) It's giant. It's like five feet. (laughs) It's as tall as me. I have my go-to colors that I'll always gravitate to. Sometimes I'll use a color that I think is ugly on purpose and just try to make it work, and that's fun. Uh, It's just like a little game I play with myself. Or sometimes I'll just randomly grab, like if I'm painting and I'm just messing around, which is usually the way that I approach it, I'll just grab blindly handfuls of paint and just use those and add to it when I need to. I love color. I always have, you know, had a pretty bold color sense, I think. (laughs) I don't really do neutrals. Well, I shouldn't say that because I guess in the quilts, I make a huge background of all neutrals, like the off-white and low-volume scrappiness. But in painting, I don't really do that. A little over a year ago, I started Weird Cats Forever. That's my dog, Max, saying hello. And I started just kind of posting the kind of random little cat paintings and drawings that I was doing. And then I thought it would be fun to paint other people's cats. And so I asked people to hashtag their cat photos with hashtag Melissa paint my cat. And if I felt like it, I would paint their cat. And if they wanted to, they could buy it for almost half of what I do commissions for. So I do a commissioned painting for 175 and I do these Melissa paint my cats for 95 because it's worth it to me to like not have the pressure. (laughs) 
because I can choose to do it if I feel like it. But if I don't feel like it, feel like if that looks like that's, you know, that's an angle that's going to be too hard to do or I don't have to do it. Especially love doing the ones of the cats sitting funny because <laughs> you wouldn't normally see a portrait of that, like a painting of that. And so it's really fun for me, <laughs> like the cat with the chicken leg up in the air because they're licking themselves or whatever. <laughs> it's just fun. Lastly, Melissa shared with us her perspective on something with which we can all relate, confidence in her work. Specifically, I asked her how she overcomes self-doubt. When it's a book, I don't get over it. (laughs) That is just like how to write a book is constantly be in self-doubt, but do it anyway. Um, But when it's a project that is me-driven, like that is for another person who needs to approve it. When it's just what I want to do, I don't really get doubt because it's I'm just doing it for the joy so like when I'm starting a new quilt I'm not like can I make a great quilt I'm like I'm just gonna sew and it's gonna be awesome and it's gonna be really fun and I'm gonna make mistakes and cut this off and try again and that is just play time for me painting is the same like I work on a bunch of things at once so I don't make anything too precious and that makes me sort of unafraid to mess stuff up which leads to a lot of experimentation and that's when I find the good stuff when it's something just for me, I don't really worry. When it's for someone else, like if it's if my licensing agency is like, can you do a horse, <laughs> you know, or something that isn't just a normal thing that I would do, I'd be like, well, could I put a horn on it and then it's a unicorn? <laughs> so sometimes when it's for someone else, I do get a little bit of fear and I just have to power through and do it anyway. And one of the ways I do that is just by doing a lot of it. So instead of doing one and hoping it's good or trying to make it good, I'll start six and plan to mess up on a bunch of them. I feel like I have to be willing to suck at it if I'm if I want to be good at it. I have a very kind of free approach to my own personal art making. I just do it for the joy of it. I don't care how it comes out usually. And that allows me to take risks that makes things better. Thanks for listening to Hello Atelier. We hope you enjoyed this interview with artist and quilter Melissa Avarinos. These days, artists need our support more than ever. So consider heading over to Melissa's website, yummygoods.com, to do a little shopping. There are stickers, leggings, mugs, all sorts of fun things that feature Melissa's artwork. Personally, I'm partial to the shirt that features a cat dressed up like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I mean, that's all the good things, right? Also, don't forget to hop over to helloatelier.org to see photos from our visit to Melissa's studio. Thanks!